great to see you this morning. If you have your Bible, I want to encourage you to turn to Proverbs chapter 3. We're going to start there and kind of springboard off of that this morning. And we're going to begin a series on tittle with. Everybody say tittle with. So trust in the Lord with all thy heart. And again, as I shared last week, I had the privilege of when I was growing up in church, being in the fifth and sixth grade department, and the pastor's mom, we called her Grandma Oster, every Sunday morning for two years in that department, she would raise her hand, it would quiver, and she would quote Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. It's amazing when you hear something every Sunday for two years, you remember that verse, and so that's always stuck in the back of my mind. A couple weeks ago, someone who did not come, doesn't go to our church sent me this on, or they sent it out on Facebook, and I just happened to be one of the people that got it, and uh, obviously it's going along with what we're going to be talking about. Let's read it together. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. And so obviously I just kind of thought about that, and I've learned, I've been on Facebook enough now, I know how to share something. <laughs> yeah, so I, you, hit, I, you just hit share, comes up, post it, it's out there. And so I, I shot it out to everybody. I don't write any, I just shot it out there. And one of the guys that got it actually used to be on staff at Fairview, so I haven't seen him for like almost 30 years. And so he was one of the ones that got the post. And so he texts back, he commented back, and this was his comment. Tittle with. And so I type back, I'm impressed that you still remember that after all those years. So the good news, bad news, the bad news is 25 years from now, when you see Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, you're going to type, tittle with. No one else may know what you're talking about unless you're here today, all right? So we're going to talk about tittle with. All right, so if you have your notes, on your notes there's kind of a foundational wall here. And so here's the deal. Our trust in God has to have a foundation. And this is really important because I want you to write on the foundation there at the top of your notes this, knowing God. Your ability to trust in God is based on your knowledge of God. It is impossible to trust a God that you do not know correctly. And if you have a wrong concept of God, it affects your ability to trust him, all right? And so once we know God, and we're going to kind of lay the foundation this morning of knowing God, once we have the proper knowledge of God, then we can trust his word. His word to us doesn't really mean anything unless we have the proper knowledge of God. Then we can trust what he's saying to us. And ultimately, Tittleth is that childlike trust of a child to their father. And so it is able to tittle with. We're able to tittle with only when we have the proper understanding of God. So back in the Old Testament, just to kind of, uh, just to remind us, they struggled knowing God. And because they struggled knowing God, they were always struggling trying to trust God. And so I came up with a saying, tittle with is our response to the God we know or think we know. All right, so your ability to trust is based on the God you know 
our think you know, all right? And so again, our knowledge of God is really important. Let me give you a few verses from the Old Testament. These references are on your notes. The scriptures aren't. But let's read out of Isaiah 1 when God says to the people through Isaiah, Even an ox knows its owner, and a donkey recognizes its master's care. But Israel does not know its master. Kind of sad that he says to Israel, even the ox and the donkey know its owner. But Israel does not know. Now, if you study history, you'll find they were still going to the synagogue. They were still church. They were still praying. They were still singing. They were still studying scripture. And they were still sacrificing. But all of the motions of religion meant nothing if they did not know God. He goes on to say there in chapter 1, Hear the word of the Lord, O people of Israel. There is no faithfulness, no kindness, no knowledge of God in your land. And by the way, when there's no knowledge of God, there is going to be no faithfulness or no kindness. Because everything is based on our knowledge of God. That is the foundational principle behind trust. In Hosea, it says this, my people are being destroyed. Why? Because they do not know me. Because when you don't have a knowledge of God, again, it's destructive in every area of our life. It goes on in Hosea to say, come, let us return to the Lord. Oh, that we might know the Lord. Let us press on to know him. And so in Hosea's day, much like Isaiah, things don't change much. The people were always busy with religious activity. The problem is they did not know God. And God said, I would rather you know me than all the performance. That doesn't mean anything if you do not know me. A couple more verses in Hosea. Hosea 6 says, I want you to know me more than I want burnt offerings. More than anything you can do for God. He just wants you to know him in an intimate way. And by the way, that word know in the Old Testament is the same word used in Genesis where it says Adam knew Eve and they had children. And so it's a very intimate word. God says, I want you to know me intimately. Hosea 8 says, for Israel has forgotten his maker and has built temples. And so even though they forgot God, they were still building buildings, building churches. They were still going through all the motions of religion, but yet they did not have a proper knowledge of God. And so I want to say this idea of Tittlewith, this idea of trusting God is based on knowing God. And so when Jesus came to walk on this earth, he brought a concept of God that was altogether different than what Israel knew in the Old Testament. 165 times about, I put about there, some say 148, some say around 200, I've counted about 165-ish. About 165 times Jesus referred to God as Father. And to show you how crazy that is, and you know that Jews would not even speak the name of God because they didn't want to mispronounce it, they didn't want to miswrite it, so they took out all the, all the vowels and just wrote the consonants, and so they were afraid of misusing the name of God because they didn't want to take his name in vain. And here Jesus comes along 165 times, and he refers to God as Father. I want to tell you how radical that is. Only 15 times in the entire Old Testament is God referred to as Father. And Jesus, in the four Gospels, 165 times about, he refers to God as Father. 
And understanding that idea really is important in helping us trust our Heavenly Father. All right? I want to just kind of forward near the end of his ministry. He's in the Garden of Gethsemane, and uh, I like how Luke's gospel says that he was sweating, as it were, drops of blood. It was so intense what he was going through and thinking about going to the cross that literally it was so, so intense as he was praying. And so Mark's gospel, as he was about 33 years old, Mark's gospel says this in Mark 14, verse 36, Jesus prayed, Abba, Father. All things are possible for you. Take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. It's interesting that Mark, near the end of his life, facing the most difficult thing that he would face, going to, to the cross, he prays to God as Abba, Father. Now, you study, most of you have studied the word Abba there. It comes from a Hebrew root, uh, Ab, or some, or some spell it, A-V-A-B, is father in Hebrew. The Aramaic form of that would be Abba, which is a word that most people say would come from an infant language. According to the rabbis, a small child first learns to say Abba, which we would say Daddy. And so it actually comes from small children. And how many of you remember the time when your child first said to you, Mama, Papa, Dada. By the way, I want to go on record as saying my kids said Dada first. <laughs> That's how I interpret it. You know, as soon as they mumble a little bit, I said, did you hear that, Brenda? She said, they said Dada. She goes, I don't think that was Dada. Sure it was. But you know, most people say that uh, children learn to say, Mama, Dada. But how many of you remember when your kids said, Dada? I mean, that was, that was pretty amazing. And so the idea of Abba is that idea of a small child referring to their dad as Daddy, Dada. The love of a small child. You know, I think back to my children when they grew up. My children never, ever referred to me as Pastor Roger. Ever. They never said, uh, Reverend Johnson. <laughs> By the way, uh, the, the funeral home did call our house one time back when I, we lived in St. Louis. And uh, they said, is Reverend Johnson there? And, and nobody calls me Reverend Johnson. So Brenda thought it was one of the deacons in the church. So she says, well, we don't, we don't call him. We call him almost Reverend. <laughs> and then she found out it was actually the funeral home. <laughs> So she was even surprised somebody called me Reverend Johnson. But anyway, my kids, they never, they never call me Pastor Roger. My kids call me Dad, Dad, Dad. And I'm going to tell you, you know, I, I, hear, I don't know how many people I've heard who are, quote, famous. When they're talking about their kids, they always say, ah, my kids, they, they don't know me as who I am and all I've accomplished. My kids just know me as Dad or Mom. This is the idea that Jesus has given. If we don't understand God as our Abba Father. Here he's 33 years old in the garden near the end of his life. And he addresses his God as Abba Father. In that tenderness. Now it was used as people got older in life. It's a very endearing term that even an adult can use. But the concept comes from that of a child. And so over the last three months... God is kind of bringing me back around to this thing. This is something God's been dealing with me about probably the last three months is learning how to just get around the feet of children and learning the tenderness of a child to their parent. 
Sometimes I get so properly and so dignified that I forget that he's my heavenly daddy. Even in Israel today, by the way, they still use the term Abba. I don't know how many people have said, you know, if you're in the streets of Israel and a child gets lost, they'll be right in the middle of the street, the busy street, and they say, Abba! Abba! And it's amazing how the Abba recognizes the voice and they come to that child. Still today, they use the term Abba, small children growing up in Israel. Again, kind of that little childlike faith. And so I, I got on uh, Facebook, and again, I'm on Facebook mostly to see what's going on. But I took off some modern-day Abbas here. These are some folks connected to our church. And by the way, I often tell the husbands, the reason we get in pictures is because of the kids. Amen? But anyway, those kids are amazing. And as I look at all those Abbas, there's no joy like the joy of your children climbing up in your lap and just wanting to put their arm around you and just hug on you. The childlike faith that Abba, Father, is such an important concept to know God is our Heavenly Father and to have that childlike faith. And by the way, when our, when our kids grew up, they must have thought we were rich. I mean, we, remember when you first feed them on the high chair, you put some food on the on the. the the shelf there they got, that little bit of table. And so our kids, they would, they would take it and throw it. <laughs> They'd knock it over, throw it out because, hey, my parents, there's more of that. Man, they don't worry about it. You know, kids just have a faith. You know, our children never after breakfast would say, uh, what are we going to have for lunch? They never did. Children have such an amazing ability to have faith. And any parent would know, if you, if you came down to your last bit of food, it would go to your children and not to you. I mean, that's the love of a father and a mother. And so when Jesus brings this concept that he's our Abba Father, it was so radically different. But if we're going to ever trust God with that childlike trust, we've got to see him as our Heavenly Father that genuinely cares about our life. And so I'm going to ask a question here, kind of a trivia question. What were the first recorded words of Jesus in the Bible in his earth suit? What were the first recorded words of Jesus? It was back when he was 12 years old. They left him back at the temple and his parents came back to get him. And there, these were the very first words recorded from the mouth of Jesus. Jesus said to his parents, why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my Abba's business? Very first words that he spoke to his parents, very first words recorded in the Bible. He said, I must be about my father's business. I want to tell you, Jesus had such an amazing relationship with his father. And it was that almost of a child loving on his father. And when you think about the ministry of Jesus, I mean, Several times he would say, I just do what I see the Father doing. He had such a relationship with his Father. He said, I just see what my Father's doing. I just do what he's doing. Give you a verse here out of John 5. Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself but what he sees the Father do. For whatever he does, the Son does in like manner. And so Jesus, again, just walking in fellowship with his Father, he said, I just watch what the Father's doing. I just do what he's doing. 
That's a pretty simple form of discipleship, to have that intimate relationship with the Father. And, you know, we've been involved with discipleship as long as I can remember. we got to disciple people. And when we're discipling people, in essence, we're making them like Jesus, correct? We're, we're asking them to be like Jesus. And if that is true, which I think it is, I think one of the basic elements of discipleship is teaching people how to trust God as their Heavenly Father. That is of a small child looking up to their parents and just with that childlike trust in God. Not only did he do what the father was doing, but he said what the father was saying. And so let me give you a couple verses. Jesus said in John chapter 8, I do nothing on my own but say only what the father taught me. In John 12, he says, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who sent me has commanded me what to say and how to say it. I mean, he had a really a pretty easy task. All he had to do was repeat what he saw the Father doing and say what he heard the Father saying. I mean, that really was his life. He had such a tender relationship with his heavenly Father that even in a garden as a grown man, he could say and pray to his Father, Abba. Father, because he had that tender childlike faith in the Garden of Gethsemane. He not only had it himself, but then he did something radical and he taught the disciples to address God as Father. And again, this is so radical in the Jewish thinking. Very familiar verses. In Luke 11, when they, uh, Jesus had just been praying, he came out of a prayer time and they said, Lord, teach us to pray. We want to pray like you pray. And this is how he taught him. He said, when you pray, say, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. He asked them to address God as Father. And again, that's pretty radical from a Jewish standpoint, but to understand that he too is our heavenly Father. And then in Luke 11, as he continues there, Jesus said, if you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? And again, any parent, the heart of a normal parent, is to give to their children. I mean, it's a joy to provide the basics for your children. I mean, no one has to ask you. You want to provide for your children. And Jesus says, if you being evil want to take care of your children, how much more does your heavenly Father, he wants to take care of you. And I love how it says, that he'll give the Holy Spirit to those who ask. And here's what I want to you know, the basic need that we all have, the number one need we have is the presence of God through the Holy Spirit in our life. You know, our, our need is not to get out of our situation. Our need is to experience God in the middle of our situation. And so the answer is really the same for all of us, to have that intimate relationship with God through whatever life brings. And so Paul taught the believers that we are to cry out to God, Abba, Father. Now, I remember, uh, the, I remember back when I was in junior high, there was a girl in our class. She was really weird because she would pray. They would ask us to pray during Sunday school, which I always hated. I never liked praying out loud. I just didn't like it. But this girl was amazing. She could pray in King James, so she used the these and thous. But she would sometimes start her prayer Dada, dada. I'm thinking that is weird. It's taken me about 
55 years to get around to saying maybe she was on to something. I wrote her off as being a little quacky when she started her prayer, Dada. Now, as long as her heart was genuine, I think we should approach God as a small child. You know, children, they just love on their parents. They just come to their parents with that childlike faith. And after 40-something years in the ministry, God is teaching me over the last three months, this is where I'm at, is God is teaching me to get back to that childlike faith and just love him as a child. I know it sounds simple. Let's look at a couple verses. Romans 8. Join me. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. For the last two months or so, when I get up in the morning, now Brenda may be up before me. She may still be in bed. For the last couple months, I start every morning. I spend about three or four or five minutes and I just stretch my hands out and I say, Abba, I trust in you. Abba, I belong to you. I spend about five minutes just over and over just addressing him as Abba. I, I kind of imagine myself as a small child just reaching up to God. God, I don't know what today holds, but I know you love me. I know you care about me. And Abba, I just trust in you. I want to tell you, I, I can't really describe how it changes your daily life when you get back. And several times throughout the day, I have to get off to the side or I'm going down the road. I have to repeat out again, Abba, I trust in you. Abba, I love you. I appreciate you loving me. I know you care about every detail of my life. And God's bringing me back to that childhood faith and just learning to love him as a child. And know that he cares about every detail. And then in Galatians, again, Paul says, let's read together. Because you are children, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Now you would think one of the first things you would teach a new believer, according to this, according to Paul, the very first thing, the very uno lesson, number one, is to recognize God as Abba, Father. Somewhere I missed that, and I, somewhere I, I didn't communicate that to everybody, but it should be one of the basic lessons of the Christian life is to understand God as our Heavenly Father, our Abba, our Dada. To have the tenderness heart of a child. Maybe that's why Jesus said in Matthew 18, verse 3, unless you are converted and become as little children, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. Isn't that interesting? He said you have to become as little children. Sometimes we just need to humble ourselves and, and, and learn from little children that childlike faith. Maybe that's why Jesus compared the kingdom of heaven to a little child. Because little children, there's something about the innocence of a little child that just trusts their mama and dada. They have that childlike trust. They don't question anything. They just trust. And can I tell you, that's been hard for me to go back to that because I always want to have everything figured out. But God is teaching me to have that, that Abba experience. Four things I want to tell you about trusting in the Lord. And this to me is, has been a revelation to me. All right, Number one, tittle with or trusting God may not remove us from the storms of life. 
Now, God may take you out of a storm, but I'm just saying that our trust has nothing to do with whether God takes us out of the storm or not. God may leave you in the middle of the storm, and the real miracle for you is not being taken out of the storm, but it's experiencing God in the storm with that childlike faith. I don't know what's going on, but I'm trusting you. So I just want you to understand, life's not always going to be rosy. But in the middle of the storm, real trust can say to God, God, I I don't know what's going on, but I'm trusting in you. Number two, trusting in God may not ease our pain and suffering. I wish I could say that, I wish I could have a feel-good gospel that says, man, when you start trusting God, everything's going to go well. But I just want to be real with you. We still may have pain. We still may have suffering. And in the middle of our pain, the middle of our suffering is an opportunity for us to trust our Abba. He may take the pain away. He may bring healing, but he may choose not to. I just want you to know that if your faith is in the miracle, you may be disappointed. God is teaching me it's not about always coming out of the storm. It's not about being pain-free, but it's about that childlike trust no matter what life brings my way. Number three, trusting God may not bring clarity and understanding. I don't always understand what I'm going through. I don't always understand exactly the direction. But trusting God may not bring clarity in your life, and that's why you're trusting Because you don't have clarity, but you know that he does. He knows the end from the beginning. And you just have to trust, God, I don't know what's going on. But I'm trusting you. You're my heavenly father. Number four, trust may not bring a fairy tale ending on this side. I wish I could say we all end up on a mountaintop. We all end up rich. We all end up feeling good. We all end up everything's hunky-dory. But can I tell you, that's not what the Bible teaches. Life may not end as a fairy tale on this side, but it does on the other side. It does on the other side. I mean, I'm just giving you good news, man. When we get on the other side, everything we've gone through will be worth it. But if we don't learn to trust God in the middle of all that life brings, we're going to go crazy. We're going to be stressed out. we got to have that childlike trust. Let me give you a couple examples. Hebrews 11, when you read the great men and women of faith, it's a reminder that God didn't take them out of all the storms they were going through. God didn't remove all the suffering and pain. God didn't give them all clarity. They didn't understand everything that life brought them. They certainly did not all have a fairy tale ending. It says they all died in faith, not having received the promises on this side, but having seen them afar off, they were assured of them, they embraced them, and they confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims. You know, the witness of Hebrews 11 is we're going to go through storms. We're going to have pain and suffering. We're not always going to understand. We're not going to always have a fairy tale ending on this side. But when we get to the other side, everything we've gone through has been for our good and his glory. And we're either going to enjoy it by trusting God through the process or we're going to stress out. Let me go back to where we started at the cross. He prayed in the garden, Abba, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass. 
Let the storm go away. I don't want to suffer. I mean, the idea of the pain. But he went through the storm. He went through the pain. No one had clarity what was going on at the time. None of them understood. And it was not a fairy tale ending on this side. I mean, he could not have died a more brutal death on this side. But now looking back, we're so thankful that he died for us. On this side, we understand that his suffering was for our benefit and for his glory. When he was on the cross, according to Luke's gospel, the very first words he spoke were to his Abba. His very first recorded words was, I must always be about my Abba's business. And even though in the human side, he wasn't looking forward to the cross, that on the cross, his very first words were to his Abba. He had such a relationship with the Father. The verse that I have a hard time wrapping my mind around is when he cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I do not understand how God the Father can turn his back. Now, I know that he represented sin. He had to turn his back. I know what we say. But to know that for the first time ever, he was separated from his Abba. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I can't wrap my human mind around that separation between the Son and the Father. But he never lost trust. He still trusted his Abba because the last recorded words in, in Luke's gospel, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. His very last breath, Abba, into your hands I commit my spirit. I know we're all going through some stuff here. God may take you out of a storm. He may relieve you of some, some pain at some point. But I'm just telling you, life is not easy. And if we don't learn to trust God, we're going to totally stress out. And God is teaching me to go back to the heart of a child and learn to see God as my Abba Father. After the first service, Larry Portner, was, he was listening, and Larry, when he talked about getting back to that childhood love, that childhood innocence, he said to me, you know, I was thinking while you were saying that, I was thinking about in Revelation when Jesus was talking to the church at Ephesus, and he said, you've lost your first love. He says, I wonder if God was saying to him, you've lost the love of that little child, that little innocent child. You've lost that tender love that you used to have. I said, Larry, I've read a lot of books. I've studied a lot. That's one of the greatest thoughts I've ever heard. You know, once we get away from that childlike tenderness and we begin to base our relationship on our performance, our works, our titles, that's when we begin to drift away. More than anything today, God just wants us to see him as our Abba Father. I can't tell you, I know this sounds crazy, but it, it's really changing my life. Just learning how to get back to that childlike trust and learning to trust God as my Abba. I want to have you all stand. On the back of your notes, down at the bottom, you'll see something like this. I want to give you a homework assignment. How many of you came today saying, I hope I get some homework? 
Here's your homework assignment. I want you to start each day for the next week. Take about five minutes, ten minutes. You might want to get somewhere where you can be alone. But I want you to start your day by just saying, Abba, I trust you with all my heart. Abba, I trust you. There's something about repeating that that all of a sudden it gets up into your head and you see yourself as a little child that just trusts their Heavenly Father. I don't understand everything I'm going through. I don't understand all the difficulty. But I want to have that childlike faith that just trusts their heavenly Abba. No matter what I go through in life, I know that it's for my good and for his glory. If you're comfortable, I just want you to either hold your hands up or outstretched. I want us to say five times together this phrase over and over. I want you to say it to, to your Heavenly Father. Let's say it together. Abba, I trust in you with all my heart. Abba, I trust in you with all my heart. Abba, I trust in you with all my heart. Abba, I trust in you with all my heart. One more time. Abba, I trust in you with all my heart. I've asked David to sing that song, You're a Good, Good Father. I, I mean, that song just fits so well. And we're going to change the words to you're a good, good father to you're a good, good Abba. You're a good, good Abba. So let's just sing that and worship together. If you're here today and you need somebody to pray with you or pray for you, we would love to do that. I just want you to love on your Heavenly Father. I know you're going through some difficulty. I know life isn't easy. And the problem is we don't need to get out of the situation as much as we just need to experience God in the situation. And we need to learn to trust Him. So let's just worship God. Let's just sing, you're a good, good Abba. asking you to take us out of any situation unless it's not your will for us to go through it but God my heart is no matter what life brings I just want to be able to have that childlike trust in you as my heavenly father thank you for loving me thank you for caring about every detail of my life and this day I want to honor you by just trusting you as I walk through it and it's in the name of Jesus I pray 